So it's actually really easy to cancel your CBS All Access subscription. It's just go into account, and there's a cancel thing right there. They give you a, you know, try it for one month free, and then they ask you, you know, why you're canceling. So I put that I'm literally just doing this for Discovery, and now uh, at the end of my billing cycle, it'll be canceled. But Richard, there's 11 seasons of Frasier available on CBS <laughs> All Access for you to kill time with while we wait for Star Trek Discovery to come uh, back. That is true. I literally put in my, you know, other, like, fuck the Big Bang Theory because I don't want to watch the Big Bang Theory. They said, you know, you, we've got the Big Bang Theory SEAL team and some other shit. So, you know. Uh, I have not canceled CBS All Access yet because, you know, I just finished watching Into the Forest I Go, and you're obviously much more on top of it than I am. <laughs> uh, and I think this is probably a good a, a good way for us to start this conversation, uh, aside from the elephant in the room, which is, yes, I have a cold, sorry, uh, is that uh, we are no – this is like the last episode of Star Trek Discovery that we are going to cover uh, – live quote-unquote in this fashion we have made a unilateral decision that uh frankly this wasn't enjoyable and we don't get paid a lot of money for this while we appreciate the money that we get from all of our patrons and we love you all and you cover the cost of this podcasting uh hobby for us um you know we are not professionals and we are not getting paid any sort of real living wage to do this uh, this is a hobby, and if we're not enjoying it, it's not something that I would want to do. So uh, sorry if you've been enjoying our Star Trek Discovery coverage. But I also feel like this is probably a pretty good episode to go out on because I I actually liked this episode quite a bit. Yeah, it was about the best incarnation of this episode that I think we could have gotten because I think – I mean – while I probably couldn't have predicted the exact points, this is more or less what I figured was going, you know, the kind of episode it figures it was going to happen. There is a major um, victory in the Klingon Federation War, and, you know, things look okay, but we've got a cliffhanger because we want to watch in January. And, frankly, I think my speculation about it is that they're going to redo Voyager, and since we're going into Voyager again... Uh, it really fits like like it fits, and you know now it's all resolved, and now they've got to figure out how to get home and whether Tuvok's going to get home. And I really miss Tuvok. And Tuvok misses you. Aww. I mean, let let's talk about the other elephant in the room. They are obviously in the mirror universe, right? Uh, you know when 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 he said about uh, I my first note is uh the quote parallel universe is connected to the mycelium network, followed by oh no. Because no matter where they're going with that, and it could be the Mirror Universe, it could be the J.J. Abrams Universe, it could be the Prime Universe, wherever they're going with that, it's not well, going to be good. It, it won't be the J.J. Abrams Universe because Paramount owns that, so they're, they're not going there. Thank God uh, for small favors, but <laughs> no matter where they're going with Parallel Universe, it, it, there is, it's not good. I I really can't see a way that it's not the mirror universe, and I, I hate yeah. to speculate, but I guess I'm doing that because this is where we are. But, uh, you know, yes, you're right. Like, they telegraph the idea of parallel universes in this episode. They're doing that for a very specific reason because they are telegraphing the end of the episode. And, you know, really what it comes down to is I feel like they are in the mirror universe because – 
that is the only parallel universe that is like consistent in Star mm-hmm. Trek. And they also have been extremely, extremely insistent on the idea that this is all linked to the original series somehow. This is a show that is slavishly devoted to the sort of canon fan service that I think a lot of people didn't expect Discovery to be. And so I really can't see them going in a new direction, which I think is a little bit of a shame. Now, if when the show comes back in January and I just watch it as a civilian uh, without having to, to think about it in a critical fashion and they're in the Andromeda galaxy, then I'll be pleasantly surprised. But I mean, yeah, I mean, my one caveat is that they don't recognize anything. And even in the mirror universe, it would still have, for example, the same stars and such. But that is true but you know i mean they could be yeah. in a different part of the milky way galaxy in the mirror universe that they have never been to of course there 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 is a, any number of ways they can get out of this if they want and uh unfortunately it will be a long time before you the listeners hear our thoughts on that uh yeah but maybe i'll tweet about it so as a whole, I mean, because I feel like in a lot of respects and, you know, we, we don't know where this is going, obviously. And I, you know, in in retrospect, in hindsight, you know, last week I wondered, you know, why they bumped up the mid-series finale date to include this episode. And I I think I understand why. This yeah. is a much better episode than last week's episode. This is actually an episode of television. And while it has all of the serialization elements included into it it also tells a very self-contained story it has a narrative through line it (laughs) has a beginning a middle and an end and i i hate to keep saying that i think discovery might be figuring itself out because it it you know discovery is one of those shows that takes two steps forward and one step back and it's done that a couple of times already um This episode, I feel like at least the writers of this episode have a good grasp on how to tell, how to structure an episode of television while tying it into the larger serialized narrative of the show. And I I think it worked really well for this one episode, at least. Yeah, and and this does feel more of a, you know, chapter complete kind of a feel for it because, you know, this is a major story beat. The last episode ended right before a major story beat. It does feel like like if I'm going to it, it, it's more satisfied to what satisfying to wonder where are they now? What's going to happen than it is to, well, how is this battle going to turn out that we're about to happen? And I mean, it's I a think... more it's a more Star Trek cliffhanger. In a yeah, way. it's a more like, oh, it's a mystery, not oh, they're about to go into battle. Yes, um, I mean, there, the, you know, certainly, um, uh, Mr. Warfire is, uh, you know, just about to go into battle thing, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I felt satisfied by watching this. I felt like it paid off certain things. That we've been wanting to pay off. It again. It felt like a chapter closing and moving on to it. It felt like. I guess this is the first time that I feel like. Well, maybe they're gonna pay some of this off. I agree, and I think a large reason why I enjoyed Into the Forest I Go is that I didn't realize how much of an attachment I was getting to at least some of these characters, and I think that this yeah. episode 
highlights the good character work the show has done and the not so good character work the show has done because it, it, charitably speaking Lorca seems like a completely different person in this mm-hmm. episode than he has in any of the previous episodes you know he has always been very prickly very combative uh he's been portrayed as a as a warmonger as someone who puts the ends above you know the ends justify the means all these kind of things And in this episode he's openly saying we can't abandon the pavans this peaceful race yeah. to the klingons you know he's he's listening to stamets and accepting his decision to stop uh you know jumping and of course huh, you know classic uh, uh you know oh yeah of structure that is the decision well one last time that's always the I one kept- that fucks you up I kept yelling at them, like, don't say that. Don't make romantic plans. Don't make an allusion to Labo M. Don't do this. What are you doing? And that's the thing. Like, this is not uh, original. This this is all kind of cliche. But if the show isn't going to be original, then at least it's doing the cliches well. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and let's face it. A lot of Star Trek is cliche and cheesy but it works it you know i i i think there is a realization that i I mean because storytelling goes through all of these different phases and you have you know you set all these tropes up then you reject all the tropes then you're doing all this dark deconstruction with the tropes and i think star trek discovery is finally saying well no like these are things are these things are there for a reason and I mean, I think they're doing it knowingly. They know that we are watching this and hearing one last jump, and it is, you know, it for me, it's ratcheting up the tension. It is a car wreck. It is, you know, we know something really bad, really, really, really bad is about to happen, and, you know, personally, I thought it was going to be a personal tragedy that, you know, Stamets is going to explode or something like that, <laughs> and you know, that- Explode that turns- into song, you mean? Yes, um, he, he's, he's, suddenly there'll be a flash of light and he'll be on stage on Broadway and, you know, it'll be Rent and, you know, that then the rest of the series is a retelling of Rent except he doesn't know his lines because he's not actually Anthony Rapp. The, the last but... shot of this episode is the camera <laughs> zooming into the playbill on Anthony Rapp's name. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I, I I think it knowingly used that cliche to create the force of tragedy, uh, to create the force of tension, and I think it's doing that very well. These again, these tropes, if we want to use you know the internety term, have resonances for a reason. Yeah, I, I think that's right, and I you know certainly uh, you know I think you were harder on the the. Yeah, I, I think that's right, and I, I think for for a small example of that, certainly you were harder on the Stamets and uh, Doctor uh, Ricky uh, Tyler, Ricky, uh, what's his name, Ricky, Ricky Vasquez, Vasquez. Um, you know, more than I was. But you know, they get a chance to have a big romantic. They finally get the gay, gay, the gay kiss I wanted to see on Star Trek. Yeah, it happened. That's out of the way. You know, we we can never talk about gay people on Star Trek ever again. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but have you been listening to this podcast for the past five and a half years? But in terms of character stuff, well, like, number okay, I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping all over the place. And you know, full disclosure, I'm on cold medicine. Um, <laughs> that I called the admiral not being dead. I I think I have yeah. to like I need the internet to give me hosannas and praise for that. 
Um, oh, oh. Her her head. Mo- thank you. Her head moving in that one shot was obviously not an accident. Yeah. I was probably. I think I was one of the only people that I saw that mentioned that on the entire internet. So good for me. I- but I will say, because, I mean, you were the one who was like, well, Mike on Breaking Bad coughed, and that means something, and it meant nothing. So I don't always take you into consideration, but. I just, well, to be clear, <laughs> coughing in a TV show is very strange, and I don't know why they did that. So anyway. I mean, it felt very naturalistic at, in the scene, but anyway, that will be in a, years from now on tuning in. <laughs> but, you know, she's not dead. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know the two characters that I feel like the show has done the worst job with are Lorca and Laurel. I, I, I've already mm. said my piece about Lorca. He seems like a different person in this episode, and I like this person a lot better. He actually seems like the type of person that could rise to the level of Captain Starfleet, uh, as opposed to the previous eight episodes where he seemed like someone who, I don't know, came out of the 21st century American military. And uh, then Laurel. Uh, and I think yeah. Lorel speaks to a larger issue with the Klingon storyline, which thankfully seems that it will be sidelined at this point. Um, and I think this is an appropriate point to ask this. What was the point of all of those interminable Klingon scenes that we had to suffer through? So I was uh, and I say funny and, and I say this also because they make a they either make an adjustment or a gross miscalculation in this episode because they have the Klingon speaking English and it is so much better dramatically speaking than having those actors actually speaking Klingon uh it felt like not quite a retcon but um again you know let's go with TV trips because that seems to be our you know subtech the elephant the other elephant in the room here um there was one one trope that they call author saving throw which is when you know, a filmmaker or an author realize that something sucks and they kind of redo it and quietly hope that we'll just accept it because it's much better. Like, it seems like they finally realize, you know, all of that Klingon stuff was just Klingon with the accents, with the way that it works. It doesn't work. It's tedious. It's annoying to get through. We'll make a little, you know, in-universe reason why they're speaking English. And then from the rest of the show, we're just going to have them speaking English and we're just going to accept that. Like, it seems like I really hope that's what they're doing because, and I mean, frankly, this is the first time that the Klingons felt like Klingons. Yes, I I thought that too. I really loved the bit with Call and Burnham, you know, talking to each other and her challenging and talking about, well, Klingons have honor, so let's fight. Okay, we're going to have a battle. Like, these are Klingons. I could picture a TNG-era Klingon having that conversation with her. You know, it's— And it it felt good. Yeah, I agree, because I think fundamentally what it comes down to is that the reason why the Klingons did not feel like Klingons is that they were speaking Klingon. Which is a strange <laughs> thing to say, I know, but it's it's true. I mean, in in a similar way to the the only thing that I can think of is uh, someone in this uh, Star Trek Facebook group that I'm in made a, a fantastic point, which I'm not going to name them because you know that would be weird. But if they're listening to this podcast, they know who they are. Um, where they said it, it's even inconsistent in Discovery because they don't have the Vulcans speaking Vulcan, for instance. Yeah. And I think that if like if Letha had long scenes, uh, you know, on Vulcan of Sarek and the other Vulcans speaking in the Vulcan language, that would have felt as odd as the Klingons speaking in Klingon. 
And so to me, I I think that it was all that. I, I think that these Klingons did not really seem like Klingons because they were speaking in a language that we had never seen them actually speak in before, except for very, very small doses. And, you know, that, like you said, that scene between Burnham and, and Cole, that fight, that directly could have been, that could have come out of a TNG episode. You're right. And I loved it. I mean, the only thing I think was missing was Cole pulling out a bat lift, but you know, yeah. you take what you can get. Yeah, you know, I, I guess they, you know, and especially because Burnham is, you know, smaller, it makes more sense for her to do more agility-based weapon and hold her own. But, um, yeah, I, 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 again, we've been talking. I don't know why they do that because science fiction in general, you know, fantasy in general, all of these things, you know, they're speaking English. We understand that there is some kind of universal translator or that it's for the production value and – like I said, I hope for the rest of it, they just go with that and they expect that we're not going to, you know, make a point about it. Because really only the most hardcore insufferable devotees are going to be, well, they're really, you know, speaking in this language. So why don't they do that? You know, well, and I also I think, know. too, that that it seems to me and, I, you know, I could be wrong and could be totally misreading where I think the show is going. But uh, it, it seems to me that the days of having scenes just with Klingons in them are over. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if just as the pilot felt like a prologue, I wonder if this is going to feel like a prologue. You know, yeah, I think that's right in in a way. And, you know, the war is not over. The show has made the point that the war is not over. Uh, they have figured out a way to at least somewhat defeat the cloaking device. Um, you know, I will leave that to the cannon heads to to figure out if that's a violation or not. I actually don't remember if they could do that in the original series. They probably couldn't, but I don't really care, <laughs> to be frank. <laughs> but the thing and we could wave it as, you know, they'd figured out this cloaking device. And in 10 years, the Klingons have developed another. Con. Exactly right. Who cares? The Romulan cloaking device is more uh, advanced. And they did say in the original series that. Uh, the Klingons were using ships of Romulan design. So there you go. Um, the the thing that I'm left with, though, is the character of Laurel because she's on the ship. She's going to have some sort of role going forward. They 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 give more ammunition to the Tyler is Vogue theory by having that very nebulous line that Laurel has about yeah. when the time is right. I will take care of you or whatever she says. Now, of course, the literal reading of that is she still wants to bang Tyler which you know why wouldn't you but um mm. consensually but like why is she still in the show like that is what I and why was she in the show at all I don't really understand what she adds to the show and frankly I don't understand her character arc it's what you said last week, right? Like when Gal Dukat popped up in four, you know, four episodes of an of a season of DS9, the show did a good job of letting us know what Gal Dukat was up to. Yeah. And Lorel was on the, you know, barge of the dead with Takuvma and Voke. Then Takuvma was dead. Then she was with Voke. Then she was on the prison ship for an episode for what? I don't know why. Why was she there? Who knows? Then she was back on the barge of the dead. And you're like, I don't understand anything about what she's doing. Yeah. like, And, I'm, and I'm, I still don't understand anything what she's doing. And I don't understand why she's on the show now. Unless Tyler is Voke. Yeah. And I mean, I tried to pause through some of those... Um 
you know, some of his flashback sequences to see because it was very ambiguous. They were so brief. Some t- at some points it looks like, you know, okay, they're, you know, putting surgery on a Klingon, but it's, you know, again, it was so quick, the flashes that it could just Which be. Which they don't need yeah. to do. Listen, I need to tell you what the Enterprise thing is, Richard. Yes, just tell me the Enterprise thing. So the Enterprise thing is a, a two or three episode arc, I forget what, in the fourth season with a, a ancestor of Soong, I swear to fucking God, played by Brent Spiner, who oh. finds some augments of the sort of Kanunian Singh Sing variety, Singh variety, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> uh, again, cold medicine. And... Uh, then has some sort i forget the details because i literally haven't seen this in like since 2005 but uh because why would i rewatch this but uh and then he like takes the augment dna and like crosses it with like a virus and like then that's why klingons look like humans in the original series because there's like this virus out there so that's where all the Vogue stuff was coming from, I think, because there's this thing in canon now. There's an explanation out there of why the Klingons in the original series look like humans. That's how they would have made Vogue look human. But I don't know. I just there's something about this that I mean, I don't think the show is going to be that stupid, right? So, in other words, what they're saying is that they virused Vogue to look like uh, Ash Tyler, but, you know, which, which, you know, charitably speaking, I mean, I can see a virus, you know, just, just, no, that's stupid. I mean, like, (sighs) this is just one step removed from, like, Christopher Pike being Stamets's like godfather or something like i just i don't know i just it's i just stop it just stop everything <laughs> i guess the question of who exactly tyler is and what tyler and laurel's relationship is is still ambiguous do i necessarily care not really i mean on the one hand yes on the other hand i feel like I, it really is that one line of Laurel's because if it wasn't for that one line of Laurel's, I would say that, you know, without the internet, I think the, uh, I, I, I think it's fairly clear what their relationship is. I think, you know, I, I think they've sold it that, you know, Ash Tyler is somebody who was in a prison camp. He was raped by his captor and, you know, that's it. And now he has PTSD when he sees her like that. That seems pretty clear to me. It seems pretty clear to me, too. And I have no problem with that storyline necessarily. And I think that, you know, if Star Trek Discovery wants to I think what this is really getting clear in my head is that, you know, if Star Trek Discovery is going to take the the good parts of serialized television in that you can have character arcs and character growth mm-hmm. over many episodes and many seasons and you can actually have a character go through something like PTSD, which, you know, yeah. we, and we even talked about this with TNG, with with Picard's experiences uh, being transformed yeah. into Lacutus of Borg, because, of course, you know, best of both worlds and family are are this sort of you know three episode arc about Picard's PTSD, but 
And then at the end of, of family, he, you know, collapses in his brother's arms and he's crying. And that's sort of like the television version of him getting over his, his PTSD. And then everything is fine in the next episode, which I'm going to say is hide and cue. But it's not. That's from the first. Which season. which we still have some, you know, trauma lingering from that episode. Yeah, I definitely have trauma from that episode. <laughs> but I you know, I think that that would be an interesting way for the show to go that, you know, Lieutenant Tyler yeah. is just a guy and he is just a normal person. He's the everyman who is, you know, getting into this very cute relationship with Michael Burnham and he is going to have an ongoing problem with PTSD. I'm okay with that. And I mean, like, why is Lorel on the ship? Well, uh, I mean, if they are indeed in the mirror universe and they are in a spot where Klingons are very different and they need kind of a Klingon, you know, it, it, it could be an asset to have a Klingon who wants to defect, who can get them out of certain tight spots. I mean, she speaks Klingon, number one, you know, she can, you know, handle certain things and suddenly he has to work with her like that is going to be a... You know, I mean, they can mine some stuff there. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, I, you know, I, I also think that that this is a little bit not related to that, but at the same time it is. You know, Admiral Cornwell very conveniently being sent off to a completely different starbase. Yeah. Um, ostensibly in a completely different direction than Starbase 46. Uh, she went to Starbase 88. They were going to Starbase 46. Now, we don't know where they are, but, you know, she's going to be okay, but she's not on the ship. And so, yeah, you know, her experience, because she's actually a doctor, I believe. I think that's why she was... Uh, psychologist. A psychologist. A yeah, a psychiatrist. Yeah, exactly. I remember her saying that for, for one episode. I knew that she was a medical doctor of some type. And, that... and even in this episode, when she's saying, you know, I have a lot of experience, you know, counseling PTSD, and she's, you know, in very limited time and very limited scenario trying to counsel, t- you know, she gets Tyler out for at least the moment. Yeah, well, that's where I'm going with that is, you know, we have someone like Admiral Cornwall who or Cornwell. God, why is her name Cornwell? I keep wanting to say Cadwallader. 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 Ca- Admiral Cadbury. Um, mm. Admiral Cadbury is a, is a psychiatrist, and she apparently has a lot of experience dealing with PTSD. So not having her on the show, uh, yeah. A, they don't have to pay the actress every week. Uh, but, <laughs> but B, they don't have someone on the ship who I guess is, you know, this is not the era of counselors. And so they have medical personnel, certainly. But now yeah. I think it's setting up at least a char- – I mean, I'm, a, I'm speculating, but it seems to me that it's setting up some sort of character arc where Burnham is going to have to use some Vulcan techniques with Tyler okay. to help him through his Ooh. issues with Laurel being on the ship. And I'm sure we're going to get some great scenes of Lieutenant Tyler and Michael Burnham sitting in his quarters in his very fashionable quarters with his very mid-century furniture. Uh, is that standard issue, by the way? Because it's very nice. Um, with the Vulcan candles lit and it's all going to be cool. And I'm, I'm happy. I just I think that this is going in a good direction. Yeah, now I can't wait for January to fuck it up again, but... <laughs> well, I, I think that's a good question, though. I mean, you know, we had talked off mic about, you know, you had been... You were a little hesitant about the decision to, to not uh, continue covering at least the first season of Discovery. And, you know, my, my... And a lot of that, I admit, is just simple completionism. I mean, we are... 
this podcast is based on watching every single Star Trek thing in order, you know, one by one, and we have to catch them all. And so, you know, but this was the first time we violated that, honestly. I mean, this, if we had followed the original philosophy of Trek about, which in hindsight, we probably should have done, frankly, and I think we, we should be open um, I think this is one of the reasons our, our listeners like us is that we're open about this sort of thing that yeah. I, I think that doing discovery in this fashion was a mistake. And, you know, I, I think we did some good shows. I think we did some good analysis. But at the end of the day, neither of this, neither of us enjoyed this very much. And I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, we will cover Star Trek Discovery again, right? Like we will do the first season and yeah. the second season and however many other seasons there are to come in the at the appropriate point after Enterprise and after the Abrams movies. So you've got a ways to go before you hear our thoughts on the second half of the first season. But what I'm getting at is, you know, you had said to me that you, one of the things you were hesitant about is that you didn't think you were going to uh, finish watching the first season and that therefore when we got to it in the normal timeline quote unquote you would be very down on the first half of the first season of discovery on our second watch of it do do you think that's going to be the case still do you think you're not going to watch the second half of this season i don't think i'm gonna watch it as it airs just because you know number one i'm you know, I don't feel like subscribing to CBS All Access for the two or three months again. You know, what I figure I'll do is just so what? There's uh, eight episodes, seven episodes. There are six episodes left. Six episodes left. So in other words, I'll wait till it's done and then just subscribe and watch them in one week. And um, you know, which you know, that's whatever. But um. It will be interesting to rewatch knowing where things go, but I would like I, I I guess I am curious enough about where they are and what's happening and oh god, are they really doing the mirror universe? I don't know if they are or not, and I guess we're just gonna have to wait until January to see. But you won't hear our thoughts on it until twenty nineteen, I think. Which will either be a very good year or a very bad year, depending on November 2018. So make sure to register to vote. Indeed. If we could leave you with one useful thought, it's register to vote. I mean, Virginia, New Jersey both swung blue. You know, Virginia was especially a shock. So, you know, we're doing well. Well, I think we'll leave Into the Forest I Go There. If you have any thoughts on this episode, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. Like I said before, it financially supports truckabout, allows us to uh, be free of the financial stress of putting on this podcast. The demands are not enormous, but they are there financially, of course. And uh, your assistance and help in that regard is very much appreciated. Um, As a thank you, we have a couple of reward tiers. One of the tiers is uh, a special episode that we record every single month for our $5 a month or more patrons. The one that we released last week was on the Seth MacFarlane Vanity Project, the Orville. And yes, I'm (laughs) continuing to call it the Seth MacFarlane Vanity Project because I believe that is what it is. Uh, I haven't continued watching it past that, so I don't know where it's at. But So go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and please give now. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Truck About Show is our username in all those places. 
And as always, please leave us an Apple podcast review for Truck About. No, it sounds weird, but it is one of the best ways for new people to find our podcasts. All right. Next week, Richard. Are oh you my ready? God. I am so ready. We are back <sighs> on to Voyager. Oh, I have uh, never been so excited to see Kess. Yeah. Kess is there for, I was, a, li- for a little bit longer. I was talking to a friend who was talking about Voyager, and I'm like, yeah, I love Kess, and he just gave me the strangest look. But, you know, I think everybody's wrong about her. I agree with you. I like Kess a lot. And I wish he had stuck around for the entire seven seasons of the show. But there we are. Enjoy the cast you get while you can. There's only a limited supply of cast left. Well, I mean, that really fits with her character since she is a very short-lived species. But Very true. All right. Next week, we return to weekly Star Trek Voyager coverage. We're going to be talking about the episodes Fair Trade and Alter Ego.